0: Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Monday. This is Seattle Now. It's the big dark, and that's hard for many of us. We're going to take some time to look into the ways people deal with these long months and less light. Today, we're looking at comedy as a coping mechanism. Seattle comedian Chris Mejia talks a lot about his mental health in his work. We'll talk with him and an expert on happiness in a minute. But first, here's what's coming up this week. The Washington Secretary of State has until Thursday to certify the results of the midterm elections. In the third district, Republican congressional candidate Joe Kent wants a recount in his surprise loss to Democrat Marie Glusenkamp-Perez. The vote difference was more than 2,000 ballots, so the state's not going to pick up the tab. Kent says his campaign will. A King County judge will hold a hearing this week in the state AG's request to block one key element of Albertson's proposed merger with Kroger. The lawsuit says a $4 billion payout to shareholders will weaken Albertson's competitive position, harming consumers and workers. Right now, the dividend payout is on temporary hold. The two grocery giants own other companies with stores in Washington. Albertson's owns Safeway and Hagen, while Kroger owns QFC and Fred Meyer. And here's a fun fact before we start the show. This podcast is free, but the people who make it still need to pay rent. And we do that because of listeners who step up and donate to support the show. This week is our winter fundraising drive, and it would be great if we could get a hundred donations for the show this week. That's less than 1% of you. If you chip in five bucks a month, it's only 25 cents an episode. Not quite free, but hey man, pretty good deal. So if you value listening to the show and want to make sure our producers aren't evicted, make a donation. There's a link in the show notes. And thanks. Just a heads up, this episode mentions suicide. Winter can be a hard time around here. It's wet and rainy. Seasonal depression is always waiting in the wings. But it's prime time for Seattle comedian Chris Mejia.
1: It's funny because when you're a comedian, uh, you have a very complicated relationship with the Seattle seasons because when when it's Seattle and it's summer, theoretically everyone's like, oh my God, this is why we live here for the three months where it's sunny and finally we can feel like everything's great and now I finally get to center of my personality around the fact that I like to do outdoor walking in the woods and I do that instead of processing my childhood trauma <laughs> like that as a regular Seattleite that's how everyone feels about summer and spring but comedy sucks in the summer uh, it's the worst time to do comedy in Seattle, because no one wants to go inside People and watch feel a comedy too good. show. good. <laughs> yeah. So then when it gets dark and it's winter, you're like, yeah, there's nothing to do outside. Everyone's going to come see comedy.
0: It's generally a good time for Chris to perform his material, but... As the months wear on, the big dark starts to take a toll.
1: January, you got a little bit of that holiday hangover. And in February, you're just like, oh, word, Uh, it's Valentine's Day this month. I don't have somebody. And now it's dark and I'm cold and it's wet. And that's when really I feel like the depression gets into its final form. But haven't hit there yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we are not into February yet, which is really when you get really deep into what we're talking about here. As a comedian here in Seattle, you make mental health a big part of your focus in your material. And I'm curious why you made that choice.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, comedians, we have this both good and bad trait where we will have traumatic things happen to us. And instead of just being like, wow, that was a terrible thing. I can't believe that happened. Oh, oh my God, I feel so bad. Comedians will be like, hey, I wonder if I can make this a bit. And that's essentially how it all started, I, in February, actually, now that I think about it, I experienced a very severe depression, which now I've been, you know, I've been diagnosed with depression and anxiety. So now I know it's more of just like, oh, I wasn't just sad at one time. It's, this is something that it will be continually something that I struggle and battle with. But at that moment, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to live anymore. And I called the suicide lifeline and i spoke up about uh you know calling the lifeline and people you know replied to my posts like i i thought i was going to get a bunch of people be like oh my god are you okay like call me but it was actually a bunch of people being like yo i'm so happy you spoke up about that I, I either just went through that i'm going through that right now or i know someone who went that and now seeing you who you're always being funny on instagram and all that You going through this, too, helps me realize I'm not alone. I'm not broken. This is normal. And I can make it to the other side because you have. And to me, that was like, okay, yes, it makes people uncomfortable sometimes when I tell them, hey, how was your day yesterday? Oh, you watched uh, Tiger King? I wanted to kill myself yesterday. Like, I understand that's not really, like, a joyous thing to hear. But it's made me realize that's the whole point. That's why that's how you normalize mental health. We have to allow ourselves to be uncomfortable by hearing the people we know and love coming forward with like, yeah, I wanted to kill myself. And I called a lifeline and help. Because I didn't I called the lifeline not thinking it was gonna help me at all. I honestly was very skeptical. And I only did it because I was like, I, right, if I'm gonna die, I wanna at least be able to put in my note that the lifeline sucks and y'all lied to me and then i called it and then uh and it saved my life
0: you know i want to talk more about the impact of your work on yourself and the people around you but first let's hear a little bit of that bit where you call the suicide hotline
1: but at the end of the call i'll never forget at the end of the call Elaine was like I really, I, I've enjoyed our conversation. I'm glad I've been able to help you. Unfortunately, I have to go because there's so many of us here, and I have to help other people who are calling. So please, I genuinely care about your safety. I need you to be honest with me at this question. What are your plans for the rest of the night after this phone call? And I told her, I'm like, because of your help, I'm choosing to let tonight. I am. So because of that, when I hang up this phone, I'm going to just be honest. I'm going to just go and get some Taco Bell. <laughs> And then the concern in her voice (laughs) was more than when I said I wanted to kill myself. How low do we think of Taco Bell? Or she was like, oh, Taco Bell, co read, I got 10 more minutes.
0: (laughs) That is uh, both really funny and very powerful, Chris. I want to ask you what it means for you to talk about it.
1: Like when I first started doing the bit, I started it because I wrote like I didn't want to kill myself because it felt like too much of a commitment. Like I just didn't want to exist right now. And a comic was like, thank you for posting that. That's very brave of you. But also I have to admit, it's very funny that commitment issues is the reason why you didn't kill yourself. And I was like, oh, actually, I never thought of it about that. That's really funny. They're <laughs> like, yeah, you, like if you're comfortable, you should try that as a bit. And then that's, that's, you know, how that started. And so, like, it's rewarding because of that, too. It's rewarding because majority of the times that I've done it, I can s- see at least one person in the audience who on their face, I can tell they either previously went through the exact same thing I went through or they're going through it right now, or they know someone who did. And I can just see on their face, similar to what I was saying about what people messaged me of them being like, Oh, so it's not just me. Cool. Awesome. So perfect. And like, it doesn't, it doesn't cure their depression. It doesn't cure their suicidal thoughts, but it's also at the same time as someone who's been through a suicidal drought, when you when you when you have a moment where you realize you're not the only one out of people you know it helps them feel less like I'm failing at something and understanding more of this is a thing that just happens and then also as well majority of the times that I've done it people will approach me after shows whether in person or message me and say hey thank you very much for doing that bit uh, it's really important that we talk about that. And we, I greatly appreciate that you did. It's definitely, that's that's why I do it. Because it's like, hopefully from there, it's, it's like the first tiny, tiny domino that then knocks over more dominoes in their life of having a better understanding of suicide and depression and all that.
0: We've been talking about this specific part of your routine, but... Does the act of comedy itself help you process your experiences?
1: It's cheesy to say, uh, but it was a common. It's a common thing said. Like, I'm a big hip hop fan. Love rap. Love R and B. Big hip hop fan. Uh, and in hip hop, so many rappers will say, "Hip hop saved my life." Uh, that's the attitude I have about comedy. Comedy has saved my life because comedy has honestly felt like the only thing I was ever really good at. Like when I'm on stage and it's going well, that's where I feel at home. That's where I feel like everything finally makes sense. And comedy has been helpful with unpacking it cuz it's allowed me to unpack this trauma in my way in the place that I feel the most safe. This might be a little t- this might be a, a little bit of a reach or whatever. Like I've always had this theory and like it's something that's been talked about too of like with Black Twitter. Black Twitter, anytime a traumatic thing happens, instead of everyone on black Twitter being like, oh man, this is sad and all that, everyone's making jokes. And there's memes and it's all that. And I think, I mean, if you think about it, black people have gone through a laundry endless list of traumatic things that have been done to black people. And I feel like a lot of people who go through a lot of of trauma you just get to a point where you realize all I can do right now is laugh. The situation's not going to be made better. There's nothing I can control, there's nothing I can do. So if I'm going to be here, I might as well I might as well find some joy. And that's how I feel about comedy with traumatic events of just like, yeah, still take the time to unpack. But I also think at the same time there's a lot of power in learning how to laugh at something because then it also kind of takes some of the power away from it and allows you to then feel like you're the one who's in control of the effect it's had on, on your life. But comedy is a way to be like, well, you know what? This moment sucks. There's nothing I can do about it. But you know what? This thing about it is very weird and I'm going to laugh at it. And you know what? That laugh is gonna make me feel better about things. Take you out of the moment. Take you out of the moment. Exactly.
0: For people who might be depressed right now because of the big dark, how can comedy help them?
1: I'm not gonna lie to you and say, watching a comedy special on Netflix or going to a comedy show is gonna be exactly what you need. I'm not gonna lie to you and tell you that. But what I will say, like getting up to go to a comedy show, you're gonna get those endorphins that are gonna make you feel a little better You're also going to be able to leave your house, which in my personal opinion, when you're depressed and you manage to leave your house, that is the biggest accomplishment of the world. It's especially when you're depressed, the littlest things you don't realize are actually equivalent to winning a gold medal at the Olympics, like getting out of bed, gold medal, showering, gold medal eating like actually eating and like eating food that's not just terrible junk food that's going to make you feel worse all of that is equivalent to a gold medal so like give yourself a chance to win a gold medal by leaving your house and going to do comedy that is a form of self-care and if that's not going to help you just do something that's going to help you feel like when you go to sleep you're willing to wake up
0: chris thank you so much for your work for opening this space authentically for people to see themselves and normalizing what so many, many people feel. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It makes sense that comedy can help lift spirits during dark times, but for confirmation, we called Professor Tabitha Kirkland. She teaches a class on happiness at the University of Washington.
2: I specifically wanted to teach it every winter because I was like, this is when the class will most be needed is during these days when it gets dark at like 4 p.m.
0: Her happiness class is all about arming people with strategies to live a more fulfilled life. She says comedy is definitely one of them.
2: So if we think about comedy, um, I think that there's multiple ways that you could view it. You could see comedy as escapism, as distraction, which is one way that we can try to manage our emotions is by trying to remove ourselves from that source of sadness. Um, You also could see it as this reinterpretation right? Which I think is the more beneficial strategy. If we can learn habitually, not just to distract ourselves from sadness by looking at a cat meme or something, um, but to really like rethink the circumstances of our life that are sad and to find the humor in it or the silver lining or the joy, then that's adding up to be a more meaningful strategy for emotion management. Uh, We call it emotion regulation. So how do we change our emotions? Um, and actually, that's the basis behind one of the most effective kinds of therapy, cognitive behavior therapy, is really learning to wait, to to change the way that we think about um, how we see the events in our lives.
0: And fear not, if you don't have a stand-up routine ready to go, the
2: act of laughing is beneficial in and of itself. Science has found that actually forcing yourself to laugh versus just spontaneously laughing um, have very similar kinds of benefits. So um, you'll see similar kinds of effects on the stress hormones. Um, you'll see similar kind of effects on like endorphins in the body, production of dopamine and serotonin in the blood. And there's a whole bunch of research that suggests that in some ways we can kind of fake it until we make it. That you know feedback from our bodies does affect our minds. So even if we're doing something like making ourselves laugh, that laughter can become genuine over time. There's a whole school of yoga called laughter yoga or hasya yoga that's literally just about like diaphragmatic contraction and making yourself say ha 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 ho 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 Um and I've seen that. It, I've it's seen something that, that <laughs> yeah but it does it does turn into real laughter over time I've made my students do that and it's just like awkward enough that it also just like becomes funny right right another
0: great tool everybody mm-hmm. feeling awkward in the same moment that's great <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. That was Tabitha Kirkland, Associate Teaching Professor in the Department of Psychology at the University of Washington. Hey, before we go, a reminder. If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis or considering self-harm, call or text 988 for help. You can also contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The number is in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Caroline Chamberlain-Gomez produced today's episode. The show is also produced by Vaughn Jones, Claire McGrain, Jenny Cecil Moore, and Brandy Fullwood. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow.